0: Welcome everybody to the big dudes in the trenches and hey I figured it out now we're started Uh, now it's official (laughs) uh so you may have noticed uh Bug is not with us today but Tug is finally for the first time in a long time welcome
1: back man man it feels good to be back And, and he's Bug's not here right now he'll be with us a little bit later
0: he's running late But we had so much news to talk about that we couldn't hold on to our pants any longer. They were going to fall off. We didn't talk about this news. So I guess (laughs) we
2: need to go ahead
0: and get started here. Uh, But I did want to, oh, actually, before we even get into the NFL, kind of NFL related, uh, Daniel Jones found a way to stop throwing interceptions. And
1: I'm very proud of him for it.
0: This is good news.
1: Well, he's still in the NFL.
0: Yes, but he is also in the American Cornhole
1: League. Officially. All I'm saying is if one of his opponents just ran up and grabbed a bag midair, I would not be surprised. But Danny Dimes is a multi-sport athlete. It's amazing.
0: Daniel Jones, Bo Jackson, what's the difference? I don't know.
1: Bagger or baseball?
0: (laughs) Uh, So let's get into the NFL news here. A couple of retirements. One, definitely out of Nowhere, so I have to talk about these. I'm going to run through these names, and then as we do talk about Hall of Fame or not, I'm just going to preface this. None of these are Hall of Famers to me, um, but some of them are pretty dang good, and they're all worth at least mentioning. Mitchell Schwartz is gone uh, after basically one first team All Pro, three second team All Pros. I think all but one of those was with the Kansas City Chiefs. And his Super Bowl championship is with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Uh, he is retiring. Jason McCordy is retiring. Uh, his brother Devin is still playing in the NFL, but Jason is headed out. Uh, literally the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows right next to yep. each other played for the 0 and 16 Browns in the very next season, won a ring with the New England Patriots. So that's pretty cool. He kind of uh, really, knows what he's doing. Right. Richie Incognito is retiring for technically the second time. I think this one's going to stick though. He's 39 now, a yeah, four-time Pro Bowler and played for a bunch of teams.
1: Man, it, it this one this one hurts for me. Not not because I'm sad to see him go, but because he was when he was in Miami, he was actually at the top of his game. Miami had a good offensive line. That being said, we had nothing else and then he decided to bully people over it and well, yeah. he was definitely kind of... not at the top of his locker, loo- locker room leadership game. I so will was... say his play throughout his career outside of that might have justified it. But when you have that kind of on the field issues or in the locker room issues, you're not getting in the hall. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then out of absolutely nowhere, Eddie Goldman retired, um, played six years of defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears Signed a huge free agent deal with the Atlanta Falcons. And then a couple weeks later uh, said, actually, I'd rather not. So he's gone.
2: <laughs> I, uh, it's, I
0: hate we, to see this guy go. He was really fun and still young player.
1: No, absolutely, man. But And it feels like we ask this every offseason, but what does this say about this team? That he right. signed with them, saw their training camp, and went, nah. <laughs> Just,
0: <laughs> I'm good. I will freely admit we're not at the NFC South yet, but I don't have the Falcons doing extremely well this year. (laughs) I don't think that's a hot take either. Um, But then we have some quarterback news to get to. Of course, it seems like we always have quarterback news to get to. Uh, Kyler Murray is the big one. Gets a five-year contract, $230 million. $160 million, that is guaranteed. That is a lot of money, and I wish I I could have one of those millions,
1: please. (laughs) <laughs> i I will bring out the stat that I had saw seen just before we we started recording, which is his average annual salary is about as much as the oakland athletics' entire payroll for this year uh absolutely insane uh especially considering that's the uh MLP team that drafted him so <laughs> true you know what what a turn of that's events bloodiest. for 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 Kyler Murray. I really
0: hope they start, like, two and six this year and get uh, their coach fired and then they can't release Kyler Murray, even though everyone's calling for it. And then somehow they still make the playoffs. That'd
1: be be great. That'd be be (laughs) hilarious.
0: Uh, The 49ers have given Jimmy Garoppolo permission to seek a trade. About dang time, right? I mean, this has been the unspoken agreement for like two years it feels like. So
1: I was like i thought they said this at the end of the last season but it's news oh. again so here we are
0: i don't know somehow it became a thing once more uh and then we have to talk about josh rosen because you know a former first round pick uh he just got signed to the cleveland browns out of nowhere
1: uh, i should say i don't know if we have to talk about josh rosen or the browns adding a yet another quarterback to their roster
0: I mean, there was speculation that they would be in the Jimmy G market. I guess this shuts that down. Which that'd be hilarious to me—trade for Deshaun Watson and then also trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Dude,
2: <laughs> would be. A they should have been on the Russell
0: Wilson trade too at that point. Come on, <laughs> Can you imagine that. They probably were. Three quarterback sets, I guess. Oh God, <laughs> I have no idea how that would work, but it'd be fun to watch, I guess. Uh. Then we have a whole bunch of alternate uniforms been announced here. Which are actually really cool. And we have pictures of all of them. Your tug feels like sharing. And I'm trying to find it. Uh, because, as we know, the NFL recently changed the rule. It didn't used to be a rule. And then it was a rule out of nowhere. And now it's no longer a rule again. Where teams uh, have to stick to one helmet. And so now that that's no longer a rule, we can have throwback jerseys and alternate uniforms, things that weren't really possible with the the one dome rule. So there are a whole bunch of different alternate helmets being released around now. There are a couple of different alternate jersey combinations, especially throwbacks, that are being announced right now. And we are expecting to see all of these, at least, this season uh, there might be plenty more on the way, too. I'm not sure. Um, but I guess we'll find out here shortly. Uh, so this is the Panthers alternate helmet design. It's a black helmet, which I think looks great and should be their standard helmet. Uh, the silver doesn't look as good as this.
1: The, the black on black is real clean. Like, it looks really good. I love everything about this. Maybe maybe that silver stripe down that the, down the center in there, tri-stripe, but other than that, this is maybe a very clean helmet.
3: Yeah,
0: I can imagine this looking amazing on even the blue jerseys. I mean, maybe. I would prefer it on the white jerseys too, man. I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know, black helmets are great. Uh, next up, we have the Texans with their red helmets. This is fine, I guess. Not a big fan of this one like I am of the Panthers.
1: I, I like that they're changing it up. I like that yeah. they're sticking to their colors. It's not as clean as I would like it to be, but I, I, I feel like a slight logo redesign, uh, changing that, that red out in the uh, Texans logo to like, a, to like a black would have made it even better, I mean, but I understand why they didn't.
0: Probably needs more than a little redesign.
1: I don't think the Texans logo
0: looks all that good in the first place.
1: That's but. probably fair.
0: You know, anyway, uh, the New Orleans Saints are getting a black helmet up next year, which also looks pretty good. Gotta say, um, I'm not entirely certain what's happening down the middle of that. It looks like a dotted pattern. With the yeah,
1: gold. it almost looks like they're trying to go with a like carbon fiber look with Maybe. the gold in the in the threading. Maybe the only thing I really have for this is. Maybe I'm just off. Maybe it's the angle. That logo looks just a little small for, for what they usually have.
0: Well, I mean, this is still uh, rendering as far as I know. This might that's not true. be a final product. But this was what the Saints released, the image that they put up on their social media. So I guess it's all we have to go off of. Uh, next up, we have the Falcon's red helmet, which about dang time. I was going to say, this I is the Dirty Bird helmet, helmet too, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, and I love this classic logo. I wish they never would have changed the real old-school logo here. The really sharp angles on everything just looks yep. amazing to me. And I picked this picture specifically because there are a couple of photos of this circulating, like different social medias and all that. But this photo specifically shows that gold stripe on the helmet, too. Which oh, looks I didn't really, even notice that. Yeah. Really clean.
1: I like that a lot. Well, no, that that does look good. This is... Again, one of the few throwbacks that everyone has been clamoring clamoring right. for for a while. I think we're going to get to another one here in a minute. Uh but before uh, we get there in between there...
0: in between the Cincinnati Bengals are going to a white helmet for the first time ever as their alternate with the all white color rush. I kind of respect that. I dude, uh, it, it looks clean. It looks good. Yeah. The
1: the white Bengal Tigers, ah uh, dude, it's It's insane. I'm a little sad that Ben's not here to talk about this because I know he'd be going off on it and and loving it, but I know sometimes life gets in the way. Yeah.
0: I mean, Memphis ought to try one of these, I guess. Be interesting. (laughs) Uh, Next up, we do have
3: a very classic throwback
0: uniform. Uh, Patriot Pete. I mean, come on.
1: Uh, Pat Patriot, sir.
0: I knew I was doing it wrong as I was okay. saying it. I couldn't stop as I was saying it. So it just happened. And now we are it's literally in the notes. And I know that. But, you know. <laughs> the, after, the, I was thinking Pistol Pete, which is Oklahoma State. And uh,
1: Pat Patriot combined the two. Here we are. Well, hold, hold on. Are you talking Pistol Pete from Oklahoma State or from Wyoming? Sorry. That really Oklahoma annoys State. me. Um, no, dude. This is one that. Honestly, a lot of Patriots fans want to get back to. Uh, I'm happy it's coming back. It's a good look. The red jersey is a nice change of pace for the Patriots. I'm glad to see it returning.
0: I just want to say the Patriot Pete still fits. (laughs) If they're going to do alternate jerseys, maybe they can do alternate logo names. Yeah, moving on. (laughs) Uh, Next up is the Eagles going back to a Kelly Green, which... Obviously, this should have been a thing all along. I don't like the current really weird dark green.
1: This looks way better. Yeah, I know. The Kelly green is absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. I'm glad it's coming back. Uh, Dude, it's going to look clean this year, and, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see all of these throwbacks. Now, the other two, maybe not so much.
0: I don't know, man. I really love this next one. We're going back to the 80s and 90s. Uh, giants logos and uniforms. I love that Giants on the helmet. It's the NY. I like that the helmet is darker. And those jerseys, take them or leave 'em. them, it is what it is. I love going back to this helmet, though.
1: That's my favorite part of this, for sure. I was going to
0: say, I love the helmet.
1: I... I know you just said you like it the helmet's darker. I I really don't. It doesn't it doesn't fit. I don't know why just it doesn't do it for me on 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 this jersey. I mean fair enough.
0: Not everybody can love everything.
1: <laughs> but uh
0: next up we have the throwback Cowboys jerseys with the white helmets. So this is the picture of the last time they wore them. This is in 2012. And uh yeah, we'll be back for the first time in a long time. Yeah.
1: Now it's going to be a good time. Uh, this
0: was the actual Cowboys jerseys from 1960 until 1965. When they went to a silver helmet and all that. So, very I just, classic.
1: W- I just wish there was a little more to it. Like, I know back in the 60s everything was simple. But, I don't know. The, when you compare it to even the Kelly Greens or, or the Pat Patriot, this is just... <clears throat> it's right. it's Cowboys. Like it's, I There's nothing right. more to add to it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But
0: I still love that we're getting these throwback jerseys. I love that we're getting these alternate nice. helmet designs, and I hope that we see quite a few more coming out. I would, I would kill, might literally commit murder to see a throwback Dolphins. I mean, that'd be you so mean bad. like we
1: do every year?
0: You don't do enough of it. You need to lean in. Oh give yeah, hundred logo. Give me the like eighties logo, the 70s logo, give Dude, me everything.
1: M- Miami has had fans asking to make the throwbacks the current uniform, like right. just the primary.
0: Right. Ought to. I would love to see a throwback Seahawks.
1: Ooh. Beautiful. Let's, let's just avoid <laughs> that line forever. Yep. <laughs>
0: Uh, So, I think that does it for NFL news, though. I guess we should go ahead and jump to college news, which we have a lot of, because the Big 12, SEC, and ACC all had their media days this week. Now, the Big 10 is coming up the end of this week, I think, or or next week, actually. And then the Pac-12 is the week after. So, three of the five Power 5 conferences, media days, were happening basically right now. And uh, a lot of things to talk about. So, I guess we'll start with the Big 12 here. Um, Commissioner came out and said, we're absolutely not joining forces with the pac 12. That's not a thing that's going to happen. Get over yourselves with realignment. It ain't happening that fast. Uh, And also, Texas and Oklahoma, they are 100% staying put until 2025.
1: And I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, that's kind of where (laughs) I'm at. Like, you can try and manifest that all you want, but... um... The only thing you said this week as of the headlines that I believe is that the big 12 and PAC 12 will not be joining forces, uh, because you're trying to adopt the rest of the PAC 12. But I, I really do believe that Texas and OU are gone after this year, if not into 2024.
0: SEC media days are always a great time because coaches are, you know, hating on each other publicly. It's always fun. Uh, SEC itself came out and said Greg Sankey said they're not looking too much into further expansion, Um, which, you know, makes sense. Who are they really going to add that adds a whole lot of revenue at this point? Probably nothing left on the table other than Notre Dame. And is Notre Dame really going to join the SEC? That wouldn't make any sense. Um, But, you know, didn't make sense for USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten either. So anything can happen.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong this college expansion has been insane. I feel like a lot of these newer ones that are coming out now are just dropping into these conferences laps and they're going, yeah. Um That's right. But yeah, I don't, I don't see the SEC. We've had these discussions plenty of times. I don't see the SEC expanding any further. They don't need to. They, I don't really see them get the benefit out of it. That right. Conti- like, I, don't, I really don't see a benefit to continued expansion at this point.
0: Lane Kiffin came out and said we ought to have a salary cap on NIL deals, which say the NIL deal
1: is pay to play without (laughs) saying the NIL deals are pay to play. Right.
0: Right. This goes back to basically what Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher were debating publicly uh, for a minute there a couple months ago where, you know, they bought every player on that roster. Uh, Yeah, this is the, the SEC is clearly not using NIL correctly. Let's put it that way. That, that's exactly <laughs> what this
1: this highlights.
0: And then Kirby Smart got mad uh, talking about UGA Florida because that game has always been a neutral site game for a very long time. And he says, I can never get a Florida coach to agree to make it home and home. And it's like, why would any Florida coach ever agree to that? You play in Jacksonville in a neutral site, Florida loves that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: first but also off,
1: it's, it's the world's biggest cocktail party. Like, what more are we <laughs> expecting here?
0: But also Kirby Smart said one of the biggest reasons he wants it moved to actually playing at campus stadiums is because it will help with recruiting. Um, it really hurts Georgia's recruiting so much when they at only least. get those three SEC home games a year and they should have had four but they're the home team in Jacksonville and they can't bring anybody on campus.
1: Hasn't Georgia had like the number one recruiting class for like the past five years?
0: No, but they've been in the top three for the past five years. (laughs) It's hurting so
1: much, man. I don't know how they survive. It's really
0: painful, truly brutal environment here. Recruiting. I don't know how they'll ever keep up with themselves. So yeah, (laughs) Whatever. Uh, but the ACC media days are also happening here. Uh, Commissioner Jim Phillips is very much so not happy about all this expansion around different conferences. So do something about it. Right. Uh, he's saying every option is on the table. We're looking into everything. Okay. Well, the only school that was going to provide you with any actual money in any new rework deal is Notre Dame. Yep. And yeah, it's possible that Notre Dame does stick to their agreement and join the ACC if they decide to join the conference what's more likely to happen is that nobody's going to join the ACC why would yeah. they join the third best conference if there's still a possibility
1: they can join the SEC or Big 10 i mean and that and that possibility of joining the Big 10 is very real right now and the Big 10 probably wants them Notre Dame's just stiff arming it because they know what the buyout cost is
0: well, and you got to think too. If the Big Ten keeps expanding, the SEC will have to retaliate at some point with something. Yeah, just for the sheer sake of media market size and the number of television sets the network's going to be able to reach. Yep. So everything's on the table. Still, it's very wild. Uh, and another fun thing come out out of ACC Media Day so far. Mario Cristobal has announced that he is retiring the turnover chain at the U. You had a
1: very unfortunate pause there, and I was very concerned for a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mario Cristobal (laughs) staying as coach. (laughs) He is retiring the turnover chain, which is the only thing that anybody has ever talked about with the U for like the past four years. So I kind of get it at the same time. um.
1: Yeah, good luck with that. We we were talking about this beforehand, too. Like, the fact that that's all people were talking about prior to Cristobal getting there is exactly why he kind of needs to get rid of it. It makes a ton of sense. He's trying to build a new culture. He wants them to talk about the team, not the chain. So I, I get it. It's a little sad to see it go, but, but I understand it, and I'm for it. So next up, I guess we
0: were just talking about Notre Dame potentially joining a conference here. There's been some news on that front.
1: Yes, they're joining the NBC conference.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Which might end up being a thing now. That's not entirely far off. So Notre Dame is seeking $75 million a year in the new TV deal, which is ridiculous uh, to pay for a single school. And NBC, of course, knows this. So NBC is saying we are willing to play ball with that number. We can pay you $75 million a year, but we need better shoulder programming. We need better games in the front end, and back end, of Notre Dame games. Keep people tuned into the network. You know, makes some sense. So now there's speculation. It may be possible NBC scoops up Notre Dame and the Big 12. That would be wild to me. It's the only move that makes sense if this is. Kind of how that network is going to work things. They're not going to be able to get all the Big Ten, and they're not a part of the ESPN SEC deal, obviously. So,
1: and if, NBC this is doesn't really movie. have a college market now that I'm thinking about it either.
0: They only have Notre Dame right now.
1: Yeah. Interesting. No, that, I mean, the whole deal makes a ton of sense to me. Everyone's renegotiating their contracts. Everybody's literally every conference is up for grabs except for the SEC and Big Ten. Like,
0: Unfortunately, that's all we really have on this because it's all yeah. speculation at this point. But it was interesting enough, I wanted to get your reaction to it. And if you guys are interested in that as well, I mean, I want to see Notre Dame join a conference so bad. If nothing else, to shut their fans up about being independents. Right. So. <laughs> uh speaking of joining a conference usc and ucla did just that recently we mentioned it briefly a minute ago when they joined the big 10 didn't make much sense kind of to anybody other than stop and think about it well you know the pack 12 big 10 have this partnership they've had it for a very long time well the money's gonna work out well, well you can, can kind of I- rationalize some things right
1: can 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 I highlight something? Remember like way back when we first heard about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC and we were talking about the, the big pack attack and yeah. well, little did we know that meant like the Big Ten was going to um cannibalize going to attack the pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so yeah, apparently Governor Gavin Newsom, Governor of California, is one of those people who still doesn't understand why this deal would happen. And he is very mad about UCLA leaving university of california at berkeley uh because you know they used to be in the same conference they used to share revenue and now the two schools in the same university system aren't in the same athletic conference apparently governor newsom can't wrap his head around it and he wants some explanation from ucla um which their explanation so far has been it's never been said anywhere that we need to be in the same conference.
1: But well, point to the bylaws.
0: Let, yeah. They aren't there.
1: And let me make it let me make it simple for Governor Newsom, too. Um it's all about the money. The Big Ten be, uh... is Yeah, the Big Ten is gonna offer way more in average school payout. UCLA and USC were effectively carrying the PAC 12 based on just When you look at their average market values, just the Big Ten made the move. They have the research dollars. This goes beyond just football, but it all traces back to the money. You've finally broken me of believing anything else. Yeah, this is 100% (laughs) the money move. (laughs) So because it's
0: all about the money, and Governor Newsom knows that, obviously, he's not an idiot. He is a governor um well at least i would like well to i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> um anyway now a political show let's move on he has proposed that it might be worth looking into that the ucla shares their big 10 media revenue with cal because <laughs> they're in the same university system
2: <laughs> no
0: And uh, Cal's not going to get that kind of money from a Pac-12 deal now because Pac-12 isn't going to exist. So Pac-10 deal, whatever you want to call it anymore, it's not going to be the same, and Cal's going to suffer. It's not good for our communities. It's not good for our student-athletes. And (laughs) it's so terrible. It's it's brutal, I can't even really say this with a straight face, but this is legitimately what he's proposing. It annoys me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I yeah anyway. I have no comments on that.
0: <laughs> anyway, follow the real money, and you'll be ended up in the SEC, of the Big Ten, uh, where we now have the highest paid head coach for a public university ever. Kirby Smart is down in the SEC. Just got a new ten year contract. The University of Georgia, we we'll paying him between ten and twelve million dollars every single year, and. This does technically make him the highest-paid head coach in college football, but Nick Saban and Dabble Sweeney both have some language in their contracts which should trigger some automatic raises because of this deal. It's supposed to – Nick Saban and Dabble Sweeney have some wording in their contracts that's supposed to keep them in line, whatever that means, with the highest-paid coaches in football. So we'll see some follow-ups
1: to this, I'm sure. I was going to say, Kirby Smart was real upset about about playing Florida and Jacksonville, but uh,
0: I feel like this softened the blow. Yeah, it's really hurting that recruiting, man. I'm only getting $10 million this year. I should be getting $12 million this year. Oh, you'll get that next year. Okay, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) And for the next 10 years, you're good. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. Let's get out of individual colleges. Let's talk about football as a whole for just a second here. Uh, because this is going to cover all of Division One, And this is something we've actually talked about on the show before. It's is a really good idea. Uh, just approved by the Board of Regents for Division One. There will now be transfer windows where student-athletes are able to enter their name into the transfer portal. So there will be two different opportunities to do that in the summer before any season and winter after any season, right? There's not going to be people just entering their name in the portal at random times, which makes a lot more sense to me. Is probably the way they should have done this all along, not only for the sake of the schools, the sake of the students too. You don't want to be making instant rash decisions, put your name in the portal, now you're not allowed back at university. Take some time to think about this, plan it out, get a really good plan of attack, and then go into the portal. Yep. Do this right. It saves everybody a headache and time and heartache. All the above.
1: As long as people don't walk off the field because they got their position changed, it'd probably be for the best. I mean, that guy
0: plays for Toledo now. Doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Back to individual schools. I I guess.
0: I don't don't have a great transition for this one. But uh, we have a new NIL deal that's going to cover an entire university, which is really wild to me. So we have seen things like this in the past. Not for this kind of money, though. And uh, it's kind of fun. Texas Tech is about to be getting 85 scholarship players, all 85 of them, plus 15 walk-ons getting twenty five thousand dollars a year from Matador Club, which <laughs> Matador Club is like, well just consider this our the base salary for playing at Texas Tech. You anyway, you can get some NIL deals on top of that. All we ask in return is that you show up to a few, you know, charity events around town. This is
1: pretty incredible. It it's incredible, but I hope they didn't say it the way you just did where your base salary for playing football <laughs> that that's where I would have an issue with it, but no, I, I love the move here. Uh, wow. it's going to help bring guys in again, Texas tech. They're, they're a good school. They're a known school, but they don't have that recruiting power that Texas and OU have. Right. So they're Absolutely. they're playing a little bit of catch up. They don't have the same level of boosters uh, as those other schools do. Uh, which if I had my say personally, I wouldn't let boosters get involved in NILs because that also is bordering the gray line. Um, but no, I, I, I love this in general. I'm glad they're getting the, the student athletes involved in the community. That's, that's what it's about right there. So I love the intent behind it. I just hope they worded it a little more cleverly than uh, what you just did there. They probably did. I just. kind of pass up the opportunity.
0: It's definitely a base salary. That's what this is. So <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to me. And then we had one more story I wanted to touch on, but it's totally unrelated to anything else. So I didn't know where to put it. So it's at the end now. Yeah. Uh, Deion Sanders has been saying a whole lot of things about Jackson State here recently. One of the things I thought was very fascinating, he's going to be donating half of his salary back to Jackson State in order to finish the football facilities before the start of the season, which that is incredibly wild. And also, his salary is only $300,000 a year. Did it really take one hundred fifty grand to Move on this facility, and how could Jackson State
1: not afford that?
0: Come on
3: I, you know,
1: <laughs> I don't have any good defense for that, but I, but I love the move here it It really shows the investment that Dion has into that into that program, which is also why, why they've been so successful in recruiting and building this program to the right. point where I think he's also come out and said they are going to do what we thought was unthinkable. And they might be switching conferences here soon. Um, yeah, they're at least
0: looking into it and possibly moving up to the FBS level, which would be absolutely wild.
1: No, um, it absolutely would. For multiple reasons. <laughs> they, are, they are a cornerstone of what's at the Southern Conference. Is that what it's? Uh, The SWAC. The swag. Southwestern. Yeah, Southwestern Athletic Conference. Yeah. Um. They're a cornerstone of that of that conference, so for them to leave is would be brutal. But I, I've i also said this. I think Jackson State is ready to move up. Um, I, I it'll mean, take – The
0: last two years, sure, based on overall history, maybe not.
1: I mean, Sam Houston's moving up based on two years.
0: <laughs> kind of true, but also they only got the FCS level like a couple of years ago. So. Okay, so <laughs> – They've been moving up really fast, is what I'm saying there. They were like D2 not that long ago. That's fair. So they're they're just pouring money to the program, which, you so. know, respect some of <laughs> Um, But that's really it for college football news. It was a lot to get through, and there's plenty more to talk about with it. And we didn't touch everything. So college football is done for now. Let's, we'll get back there at some point. Stay tuned. We, Plenty more to talk about. Anyway, we have a little bit of non-NFL Pro news,
1: and Bugs not here, so I have to do it this week. I was going to say, we've all heard the rumors coming through the XFL. They're finally starting to create some buzz for themselves. Um, And what they said is, stand by to stand by. Uh, We (laughs) will apparently finally know the names of the cities and the teams that will be competing in XFL 3.0, 2.5, XFL the Rock, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Rock Point O. Oh. Yeah, the Rock Point O. Oh. Uh, we will know the cities and teams that they will be competing uh, that will be competing uh, on Sunday. So that there, there it is. There is our non NFL Pro news for the week.
0: And we did have a leak about a month ago now that speculated what those cities would be. A few notable exclusions that were you know without they were going to go without Los Angeles. Um, of course, they were going to have Seattle and San Antonio, like the biggest fan bases of the last version of the XFL that we saw, are still going to get a team again. But it was interesting to me that the rumor right now is that they will not be going back to Los Angeles and have to say, kind of understand why.
1: That makes a lot of sense, so, actually. The the football market in L.A. is saturated right now. The Chargers can't even draw a stadium, so I, I right. get it, like. Yeah, it for for a, for a league like this, you saw with the USFL to a degree, but I think the XFL will be more successful with it. You want to go to more of those small to mid market cities. Um, yeah, Birmingham would be a a fantastic place to go back to. Um, uh, Orlando is another good place. Like I know these are teams that they've used, but those are kind well, of the markets you want to get into.
0: They just supposedly had USFL teams. I know they all played in Birmingham this year. Yeah, all of them all the time. Yeah, it's right. But technically, I mean, Orlando and New Orleans and Birmingham and all of them had uh, USFL teams too. So. But like,
1: g- give me like a uh, Oklahoma City team, right? Give me, right. give me a Portland Oregon team. Th- those are kind of the, the guys that I'm looking for because those guys don't have any teams in their markets.
0: I know. Give me uh, San Antonio,
1: Austin, yep. El Paso,
0: Memphis, Louisville. I you know. All yeah. them Richmond, that'd be fun,
1: yep, <laughs> but let's only start with eight. Let's be real. Let's only start with eight, if no, that. let's go to let's go
0: to like forty seven and just right away load it up. <laughs> see what happens All right, it's the Doug. XFL
1: rock point <laughs> we we going into our previews.
0: I think it is that time, and so our show's kind of loaded right now. this off season has been crazy. Because we had the idea to preview every single conference and every single NFL division during the offseason. Why we decided to do this, I'm not even sure. But we did, and we're doing it. It's going to happen. So, (laughs) that means after, like, 30, 40 minutes of news, now we have to do our NFL preview. And then we're going to have a whole college preview. And then we have even more after that. Huge show for you guys today. Honestly, though, I'm looking forward to talking about every single bit of this. So, let's get into the NFC North here. And I really wish Bug were here to join us for this. Yep, same. Uh, But he's obviously running very much later than he said he was going to be. Yep. So, (laughs) (laughs) that's all right. Um, He's our resident Chicago Bears fan, so we'll do our best to talk some Bears in his absence. Uh, But, man, they got a first-year head coach, and... Everything feels a little bit different around the
1: program. And it and it should. It honestly should.
0: Yeah. Uh, Matt Eberflus coming in. Uh, Luke Getze, new offensive coordinator. And Alan Williams, new defensive coordinator, coming in with Matt Eberflus from the Colts. So a couple of guys familiar with each other. That offensive coordinator, though, is coming from the Packers. Interesting to me that uh, bringing in the Packers quarterbacks coach to be the new offensive
1: coordinator of the Chicago Bears. So there, there wasn't a lot about the Bears offseason that I loved. We, we discussed that in our offseason review. But coming into the preview, one of the things that I did love the most was their, their head coaching moves. Or not their coaching moves in general, not just head coaching moves. I like this staff. I think it's going to fit the Bears. The Bears have always had a defensive identity. Going back to a defensive head coach, I think, is going to be really good for them. Grand Luke Getzy, an obviously experienced uh, quarterback coach to kind of lead an offense with a young quarterback is a fantastic move. More importantly, just getting rid of Matt Nagy was a win. So I, I love the coaching moves here. I'm all for it. I'm excited to kind of see, see where this goes for the Bears this year.
0: The former owners of the number two overall pick,
1: Detroit Lions here,
0: uh, did take the hometown kid, Aiden Hutchinson, with that pick. And Dan Campbell's coming back. Keep the head coach which is surprisingly not that common for teams picking that high in the draft or unsurprisingly, as the case may be. But uh, we still have Dan Campbell here, former player for the Detroit Lions at one point too. Very fun. I love Dan Campbell. He is a wild fella. <laughs> but if if everything can work out for him, I, I really do hope it, it works out in Detroit because this feels like a good situation and it feels like this might be a
1: well-improved team this year in Detroit. But by all metrics, it should be a much-improved team. Dan Campbell is a fantastic coach. Uh, they brought a new offensive coordinator again, uh, but Dan Campbell really is a true leader of men, so it's unsurprising that that they kept him, and I think it's going to help help them in the long term.
0: The team that almost everybody forgets about in this division, or maybe that's just me, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they have a new head coach as well. I swear, I can never remember the Minnesota Vikings for some reason. They are the most mediocre team in the entire league every single year since I've been following the NFL. It is that brutal. That, how, that checks, yeah. How middling this team is. <laughs> but they weren't happy with that anymore. Mike Zimmer has been fired. In comes Kevin O'Connell and uh hopefully this new staff can get them off that eight and nine kind of raft they've been floating down here. Um it's very five hundred level team most of the time, but maybe Kevin O'Connell can turn things
1: around. Yeah, we'll see. They they have a solid roster. They they're always just seem to be missing a few pieces. Uh they're still overpaid, Kirk Cousins. Um, right, but very much so. I mean, <laughs> they they have a favorable schedule this year. That's that's one thing to note. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Hopefully, Dalvin Cook can stay healthy and and they get moving here. But uh, that's gonna be the key.
0: And of course, the fourth team in the division, the Green Bay Packers. Matt Lafleur is back for his fourth season at the helm, and Aaron Rodgers is back with uh, two straight MVP awards. So, (laughs) say what you will about the Green Bay Packers, but they are pretty good in the regular season. (laughs) (laughs) They win the games, they don't win the titles. (laughs) I feel like I said a lot more than I meant to in that one sentence, and I meant all of it, so there you go. Have at it, Packers fans. I got to say, with all these coaching changes, though, that means really nobody's on the hot seat, which is unusual. Usually we have somebody to talk about, might be in question. But even if Dan Campbell goes 0-17, I wouldn't think he'd be fired yet. right? This is a, yeah. very much a culture change, and everyone in that organization ex- is expecting that. Um, I I don't have any expectations for Kevin O'Connell's first year. They could win three games. They could win 12. All of that seems possible. Yeah. Same with the Bears. I mean, I don't expect them to finish above 500, but if they go 0-17, that wouldn't shock me all that much either, to be honest with you. I, I,
1: I would be shocked. on that. <clears throat> I think the Bears are awful. So,
0: that's. <laughs> I guess we should go ahead and jump into what these rosters are going to look like because, yeah. Um, I don't like much of the Bears' offensive weapons. I still love Justin Fields. Um, but, yeah, pretty much everything else is kind of
1: not good. So so I want to say the Bears have completely revamped their wide receiver core, but they've done that with a bunch of kind of low names to middle names. No, no, Nobody that really makes you go, yeah, that's going to be good. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm looking at the quarterback depth charts across the uh, across the, the division here, and I'm going to go ahead and say, hot take here, I think Justin Fields can going to be the second-best quarterback in the division this year. Uh, I think he's going to surpass Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's got the ability to. He just needs an offensive coordinator that enables him to do what he needs to do out there, and I think he's got that now. So I, I would not be surprised to see Justin Fields be the second-best quarterback in the uh, division this year.
0: I would love everything about
1: that. Very big Justin Fields fan. At the same time, I think
0: this offense as a whole is so bad that he has no chance of that happening. Uh, The best part of that team on offense right now has got to be David Montgomery. Uh, Unfortunately, David Montgomery is the third best running back in this division.
1: So, (laughs) it's still not saying much. Honestly, Uh, maybe maybe even fourth best (laughs) behind Alexander Madison.
0: Like that's possible. That's possible. We'll see what happens with Dalvin Cook. Uh, maybe he's out of the league and he is third best in the division, David Montgomery. But <laughs> everything's on the table. Um, but, yeah, let's go ahead and jump to receivers because one notable missing name here for the Packers is Devontae Adams. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson combined, are not going to be able to do the, what Devontae Adams did. The lizard himself. Yes. And Randall Cobb's still in the NFL somehow.
1: Because that's, Aaron Rodgers is still in the thing. NFL.
0: <laughs> true. Very true. I gotta say the best receiving core in this division belongs to the Vikings, though. For sure. And that's purely on the back of Justin Jefferson now. Yeah, uh, Adam Thielen, Thielen is declining, so... Yeah, I, I can't name any other team that has a competent one. <laughs> the Lions
1: overpaid for DJ Chark, so they don't have I, it. I will say this. If Amon Ra and Brown can continue what continue to build off of how he ended last season, he That's is true. the clear number two, if not the number one out in Detroit. Uh, DJ Chark, he's a great wide receiver, but I, I don't know if he's a number one. Uh, we've had this discussion plenty of times, X versus Y versus Z receivers. Right. DJ Chark really is that Z receiver. If Jamison Williams is healthy, he's got that Y, and Amon Ross St. Brown is built for that X role. So, I man, I would not be surprised to see Amon Ross a. St. Brown have a, have a solid year, too. That is putting a lot of faith in Jared Goff,
0: but I kind of understand it with this offensive line because the Lions probably have the best offensive line in the, in the division which is something I never thought I'd be able to say, but I
1: believe it to be very much true. They've made a lot of efforts to improve there and I love it because again, we're expecting them to have a higher draft pick this year which is likely with the amount of draft picks they have would not surprise me to see them get a get a quarterback and now you now you've got weapons there already. You've got an offensive line. You've got a defense cuz they've spent almost this entire offseason revamping that defense all the way through. It is outstanding. Uh, so, yeah, the Lions, they might not be a great team this year, but they are in a position where they are one, maybe two or three positions short of being a legit contender. Jumping around to these other offensive
0: lines, I like a couple of pieces around the division. Like Cody Whitehair, he's good in spots. Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum are unproven. All those guys are, of course, playing for the Chicago Bears. The Green Bay Packers have Bakhtiari when he's healthy. They have John Runyon when he's available. Josh Myers is okay. I don't trust Royce Newman or Elton Jenkins right now. Um, The Vikings have... I have a vendetta
1: against Jesse Davis, one of the most penalized (laughs) offensive guards in the NFL. Um, Now, Jesse Davis does bring versatility with him. He can literally play any position on that offensive line. He's just not very good at any of them. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) The Vikings, uh, my favorite offensive lineman they have is probably Christian Derisaw, and he's crazy young. So I don't don't trust that line. Uh, It's going to make things harder. But they all have some interesting options at tight end. All these guys are relatively young. And really, as far as entire divisions go, I would say this might be one of the best tight end divisions. Um, The other contender, of course, probably being the AFC West with two elite ones and then two that you have no idea who they are. So Cole Komet, TJ Hawkinson, Robert Tunyon, and Irv Smith Jr., all above average at the position. Yeah. I'm not I would agree. They're all very young.
1: This is, this is probably your best tight end division in the NFL. Um that being said, at least the Bears are not overloading with eleven of them again this year. So that's that's a plus. Yes, but they do have Cole Commit
0: and then three rookies on the depth chart. So they keep drafting them tight ends.
1: Yeah, so you're to assume two one or two of them aren't making this roster. <clears throat> I hope not, for the Bears' sake. (laughs) Moving on to
0: the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Basically, all of these defensive lines have been rebuilt this offseason with free agency, with the draft. The only trade piece is Michael Brockers coming into Detroit. But, yeah, a lot of free agent signings, a lot of uh, draft moves up in this front seven, at least. And yeah. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be one of the bigger names now. I was going to say, Probably you're
1: looking at this, this in, division. Defensive line. Six of the seven front seven for Detroit has been replaced. Right. That's absolutely insane. I love it. Right. Um, and that's, again, this is why I'm saying they're making the right moves. I would have liked to see them make some some more secondary moves. But even there, they they picked up Deshaun Elliott. They picked up uh, Joseph Kirby. but out in the safety position, but it really is their outside protection that I have concerns about. I have high hopes for, for Jeff Okuda. I just, I haven't seen it to this point. I'm starting to get worried that it's, it's not going to come in.
0: At this point, everybody just needs to admit
1: that Jeff Okuda is too slow
0: to play outside corner in the NFL and move him back to safety. That's totally fine. Yeah. He's obviously great ball skills, good in coverage. You just can't keep up with NFL receivers. That's Okay. Make him a rangy run-around-the-field safety, and I bet he would do very well for you. Yep. But you need a cornerback to replace him first, and they didn't do that. They load up on front seven. Um, and as I was saying, Aiden Hutchinson's probably going to be one of the biggest names across the defensive line in this conference this year, in this division, anyway, um, which feels very weird to me, but you look around, who else is there? Dalvin Tomlinson? Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn.
1: Harrison Phillips, maybe? Um but all three of those guys have something in common. They're all they're all getting getting up there. They're not as right. they're not as uh spry as they were in their youth. I mean, honestly, as
0: far as defensive tackles in this division, who are you gonna take right now? Dalvin Tomlinson, Kenny Clark, Aline McNeil. I mean, I might take the upside gamble with Aline McNeil. Yep. So this is a very weird time for the division, honestly, with these front sevens. Uh, And again, like you said, with the Lions replacing basically all of their linebacking core, so did the Packers. Yep. (laughs) Um, And both the Bears and the Vikings replaced at least two-thirds of their linebacking core as well. This is a very different-looking division across the defensive side of the ball,
1: and Honestly, Look, what, what's 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 it say when Daniel Hunter is fourth on the projected
0: depth chart? Um, it says that Daniil Hunter was a flash in the pan for two seasons. That's fair. Uh the best
1: linebacker in this division has got to be Roquan Smith, right? I mean, yes. Uh he's a solid solid uh linebacker. I just I know there have been stories about him. He's a solid linebacker. He's a great player. He should be one of the better middle linebackers in the division. I mean, I would say so.
0: Devondra Campbell's the one that got all pro, though, which I guess we're listing as a free agent signing because he was, he technically hit the free agent market and came back to the Packers. But, you know, had to bring him back. Had to. <laughs> I also, I love the Malcolm Rodriguez addition for the Lions. One of my favorite linebacker prospects in this draft, for like no reason, just great Oklahoma State player.
1: Bro, I trust you and your your decisions on on draft picks. Okay, like we've covered this. Fair enough.
0: Uh, looking at the back end here, the defensive back groups: Kyler Gordon
1: and Lamar Jackson coming in to the cornerback room for the Chicago Bears. You, you threw me off, man. There's way too many quarterback names there. I'm sorry. Oh. Kyler, Lamar Jackson, like, I just, I wasn't ready. I was really confused.
0: Lamar Jackson, the former cornerback for the University of Nebraska. Correct. Of course. And Kyler Gordon, the former cornerback for the University of Washington. Um, Adding to Jalen Johnson, who, yeah, he was the only thing they had at the group. So, <laughs> at least bring in two guys. Um not a whole lot of other moves. I mean, Andrew Booth Jr. being added to the Vikings is pretty significant. But, you know, Patrick Peterson comes back. Cam Dansler comes back. Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander all stay uh, with their current teams. Jeff Okuda, of course. Amani Arroyer still in Detroit. I mean, this is going to be a very familiar cornerback division uh, as opposed to all that chaos in the front seven.
1: Yeah. It, it and we kind of said it they made all their moves in the front seven the secondary has stayed relatively stable for all four of these teams
0: which again we're seeing at safety with Eddie Jackson Harrison Smith of course being the main headliners here i do like Louis Seen being added to the Minnesota Vikings yep good player uh, Jaquan Brisker being added to the Chicago Bears i like Jaquan Brisker um Tracy Walker's back with the Lions. Deshaun Elliott is with the Lions now. Um, Adrian Amos is still with the Packers, right? I mean, it's not a bad bad safety group there either. So, yeah, all the moves were on the front seven. Uh, A couple of new specialists here. Gil Trenton is a rookie punter now. Probably going to be starting for the Chicago Bears. And... The Packers brought in a new punter, Pat O'Donnell. If you're into punters, there you go. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> and uh, I think we've gone through these
1: rosters pretty well.
0: I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add before we jump to our predictions.
1: Now, the specialists, as always, are staying kind of kind of static. So I, I'm good with that. I'm ready to get into the predictions. Do we want to leave with Bugs because he's not here with us and we can we can throw it out there? Why not? Go for it. All right. It. All right. So Bug is starting out here. He's got the Vikings winning the division. Um Wild. Wild. I, I feel like there's a little bit of bias there, but I'm not willing to call that out loud. Right. Uh, he's got the Packers coming in second with the wild card berth. Uh, the Bears coming in third place, and then the Lions picking up the rear coming through here. Um, honestly. Not that surprising to me, the Bears and the Lions, you can kind of swap back and forth. I feel like there's going to be one win between the two, and, and that's an in-division game between the two of them. So whoever wins right. you know, those two games, or even if they split them, that, that's going to open up that third place and fourth place there real easily.
0: Right. Right. No, I agree with that, and I actually have it being flipped the other way. Lions probably beating the Bears, uh, and Lions finishing third place. Yeah, Packers finishing second feels like bias to me. I know they lost Devontae Adams. They still have a great running back duo. They still have, you know, tight end. They still have a decent group of wide receivers. Not great, but I mean, when's the last time Aaron Rodgers needed a legitimate wide receiver one in order to produce numbers? Right? They still won games before. The Adams was on, so I I don't know. I think the Packers are going to win the division. Uh, I could see the Vikings sneaking into the wild card, though. I know they have a first year head coach. This feels like it should be a solid team in Minnesota this year, and I'm just I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good good year for them. I just I don't think they. I'm with you. I don't think they have enough to to piece it together for for the. To win the division, um, to me, Aaron Rodgers is very much like Tom Brady in the sense that he doesn't lose games when he needs to win them, uh, excluding playoffs. Um, but when it but when it comes down to the division, <coughs> I'm with you. I think I think the Packers can win the division. Vikings are gonna come in second. Um, and then yeah, like I had said, to me, the Bears Lions are a toss up. I'm, I'm gonna give the edge to the Bears myself. Um, I have more faith in their quarterback. I, yeah, it they have a lot of work to do, but I also have a little more faith in that in that defense. Although the Lions have made a lot of good additions, I want to see how they piece it all together this year. And there's a little more, a little more established talent on the Bears on defense. Um, I said a little more, like one <laughs> or two guys, um, if that. Um, so I, I will give them the slight edge. But
0: that was our preview of the NFC North. And don't worry if you're not keeping track of everybody we have winning the division, making the playoffs, all that. We will have an entire dedicated show to our playoff predictions after we go through all the divisions. So a whole nother chance to talk about all these teams. Uh, But now it's finally time to get to probably my favorite part of the episode this week, where we are not only going to be talking about the Big 12, we are bringing on a very special guest in order to do so. I would like to introduce the host of the Chris Carpenter Show podcast. They talk about sports and pop culture, as as you do. And uh, very big Big 12 guy, and very much so looking forward to some in-depth analysis of this conference and what to look forward to this season, please welcome Chris Carpenter.
3: What's up, guys? How's it going, Chris? How you doing? Oh, pretty good.
0: Man, I I actually really respect the Big 12. It's just so hard to get people to talk about it with me because I live very far away from Big 12 country, and everyone assumes that's that conference that let Baylor win it. That's not any good at football. What are you talking about?
3: Yeah, and that's the conference that keeps losing members. That's what that, <laughs> but, uh, we're known for.
0: <laughs> but I got to say, at the same time, that Baylor team was surprisingly great last year, and I think they have a very good chance to be pretty great again this season.
3: Yeah, uh, they they were really fun to watch. You know, Dave Aranda's done a great job. You know, Matt Rule did a great job before uh, you know he left for the Panthers and. Dave Aranda's just kind of picked it up and kept it going, and you know they, they were real impressive last year.
0: Looking <laughs> through some of these other teams that, of course, are up and down all over the place. Kansas State feels like a very middling team right now, uh, hoping to get some life breathed into them by some transfers we'll talk about later. Iowa State, man, it felt like it should have been their year to really do something. It's felt that way for the last four years, though. So we'll yep. see what Matt Campbell can finally piece together there, heading into his seventh season. And then we have teams like TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, where anywhere between four and eight wins feels like it could definitely happen in any season. Uh, which one of those teams is finally going to break through and really step up and perform at some point? Nobody knows, especially with TCU, Texas Tech, First-year head coaches over there. I don't know this. This conference as a whole feels very much in a state of let's bow down to the three: Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State,
3: and uh,
0: hope that Texas comes back, or else we're not going to make any money.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a conference in transition, and you know it, it's. You know, y'all talked to her earlier in the in the podcast about. Oklahoma and Texas, you know that they're not going to leave till twenty twenty five, and it's 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 been awkward. <laughs> it was awkward last year. It's going to be awkward this year, and right. you know I, a lot of a lot of us in the Big Twelve probably actually would be good with them leaving. Just let's let's peel the band aid off and let's let's kind of get get on down the road and see what this conference is going to look like. You know, but yeah, it, you know the Big Twelve. I I I, I have them in like basically tears. You know, you have. Those three teams mm-hmm. in that top tier, you have kind of this murky middle and then you right. kind of have Kansas, you know, at the bottom there. You
0: know? <laughs> that feels very accurate. So, I love that. Kansas
3: beat Texas last year. So right. they're, oh, they're, right. they're, they're usually Almost
0: good. beat Oklahoma, too. Yeah, yeah they're that usually was... one upset.
3: Ooh. So, yeah.
0: So, all right. We do have to talk about Oklahoma, though, because they do have a new head coach, Brent yeah. Venables, coming in. Uh, it's been... Conversation for a couple of years when Brent Venables and uh, the other coordinator for Clemson, who is not joining the Big 12, so we're not going to talk about him, uh, <laughs> when they're going to get head coaching jobs. And it felt very much like Brent Venables was the perfect fit for OU. And getting a defensive guy come in when that's been the biggest knock against Oklahoma has been their defense for so long. This feels like Oklahoma should be be competitive again very quickly.
3: Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma is, it's, it's not a rebuild. It's a reload, you know, and and I, I've been impressed with Brent Venables, you know, uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm a Texas tech fan. And when, you know, they, they fired Cliff Kingsbury back in 2018, you know, Venables was one of the guys I really wanted them to take a look at. And I Mm. think they did contact him and he, you know, I think he was waiting for the Oklahoma job to open and worked out well for him. But yeah, you know, bringing in him as a defensive guy, um, they you know he hired the uh, the OC at at uh, Ole Miss, uh, Levy. He's coming in as the OC this year, and so uh, if they if they if they can keep the the offense that they've had, and then actually uh, rebuild, you know, the defense, especially that you know they had a great defense early two thousands uh, with Bob Stoops. Right. They're able to rebuild that defense. Yeah, they're I mean they're going to be obviously a very strong team again this year.
0: Keeping with the coaching changes, it's going to be so weird watching TCU football without Gary Patterson. Uh, We get get Sonny Dykes in now, former head coach at SMU, and that offense has been fantastic for SMU. Very different story for TCU, which feels much more like a defense-first program under Gary Patterson for 20 years at this point. So, a little bit of a transition period for TCU. I think this season might be kind of rough
3: for them. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, and, and, you know, Dykes is funny. Dykes is from that Mike Leach air raid, air raid tree. And right. so, you know, uh, is he going to bring in the uh, kind of the version of the air raid into TCU? I think we'll definitely see that happening, but yeah, I think, I think TCU is one of those teams that is definitely going to be in, in a bit of a transition year. I think they're going to be borderline in that, that five, six, maybe seven win mark. And I think there's several big 12 teams that, that would fall into that category. Yeah, TC definitely one of
0: them. And then the last head coaching change in the Big Twelve this year—we just lose Chris Carpenter.
1: Yeah, yeah, he—he's been dropping it now. He should be coming back
0: because this is the one I was really excited to talk to him about. This is his team. Well, look at that. Got, I
1: don't know. Hey. What <laughs> all right,
2: all right. I, I waited for you because this one's exciting
0: yes. for you. Uh, Texas Tech's getting a new head coach too. Yes. Uh, What do you think about Joey McGuire so far? And it it felt to me like Texas Tech was just clinging to, we got to find some success that resembles what the rest of the conference has found success with. I don't know if that's a really poor man's outside looking in perspective, but hiring the assistant head coach from Baylor felt like a weird move to me. Does Joey McGuire make sense to you? Do you like the hire? What do you think?
3: Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, going and going back to our our last coach, Matt Wells, one of the big issues that Matt Wells had was recruiting and specifically recruiting the state of Texas. And you know, you look at the recruiting rankings from Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech was finishing number 10 in, in, in the recruitings for Big 12. And so I really think uh, what Kirby Hoka, the AD at Texas Tech did is he wanted to bring in someone that was going to win back some of these uh, Texas recruits and especially those in the high school ranks, you know, Joey McGuire was a Texas high school coach himself and you know he was brought in by Matt rule when rule came in basically to be kind of his eyes and ears on the Texas recruiting uh, trail, because rule was a guy from, you know, Philadelphia coming in, kind of coming in blindly with the Texas recruiting trail. So I like the hire um, he's, done everything I think right in the, in the off season in energizing the fan base. You know, this fan base has been very uh, definitely apathetic, probably the the past, I would say four or five years, you know, the last few years of Cliff Kingsbury were rough, Um, you know, probably Patrick Mahomes, you know, left, left deck. It's, it's been a very apathetic fan base, not a lot of success on the field and, you know, certainly, I think most tech fans are real, real excited about the hire. Um, I think also most tech fans are pretty realistic about this year that, you know, this is still probably talent wise, a team that maybe five, six win talent. You've got a pretty tough uh, non-conference schedule. You got Houston and NC state in the non-con, you know, but
1: yeah, there's a lot of excitement and and I do like the
3: hire.
0: That is a very tough non-conference schedule. Uh, yeah. Too bad you don't play in the SEC where you get to play the Citadel next. We well, oh, get
3: that's our that's our opening game, so that that'll be our okay. our Citadel. Yeah, well, fair <laughs> Sorry, Murray State fans. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so looking at coaches on the hot seat this year with all these coaching changes, I don't really know. There are too many great options for this. I mean, Kansas can't get rid of Lance Leopold, even though he isn't going to win any games, right? Um, I would say the only name to be on the lookout for, in my mind, would be Neil Brown. What has he really done at West Virginia yet? I would say they probably need to win seven games plus a bowl is probably what it feels like, getting to a decent bowl game and actually perform well. Uh, Other than that, Neil Brown's probably coming to an end of his tenure at West Virginia, in my mind. What do you think?
3: Yeah, they've also had a mass exodus. I think they had 40-something players leave in the transfer portal. And wow. yeah, it just, it just doesn't seem like it's worked out very well with Neil Brown at, at West Virginia. Um, the other coach, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I think another coach to keep an eye on and it is possibly Sarkeesian at, at Texas. If they have another horrible year, and you know they, they, they have... Honestly, in some ways they have very impossible standards at Texas true. Um, I could see them maybe pulling the trigger and and, and firing him you know you've got Jeff trailer down at UTSA that's having all sorts of success you know could possibly bring him in but yeah, I think I think definitely Neil Brown um, is, is is gonna have a hard time keeping his job after this year. Um, I just I don't see West Virginia having a whole lot of success um, this year right.
1: Chris, I do got to say I'm glad you brought up uh, Steve Sarkisian here because I'm kind of of the same mindset. Texas seems to be one of the most impatient programs in college football. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. If, if they struggle again and, and underachieve again, I, I I could see that happening. I hope it doesn't. I think Sark is a good coach. He just needs time to get his players in there. It's what I say all the time. You need to give any college coach three or four years. Let them get their first recruiting classes in, developed, and then you can evaluate where they're at. But, yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Uh, Neil Brown definitely has some some work ahead of him if he wants <laughs> yeah. to keep his job. And uh, Sarkeesian, he, he just needs to perform at least two expectations, which for me this year would have Texas had about eight, nine wins. And I know that, you know, it sounds like, uh, oh, that God. That would be a minimum. Yeah, that's – yeah, exactly. Feels like. Based on, yeah. based
3: on who they brought in, yeah, absolutely. Eight, yeah. nine wins. <clears throat> It is good. funny
0: though because last week we were talking about the Pac-12 and we threw Lincoln Riley on the hot seat just because he's co- the coach at USC. And yeah. That's like the thing you do. So Steve Sarkeesian <laughs> in that category, I guess, uh, makes sense honestly.
3: Yeah, like, I mean, I think they ran off Tom Herman with a nine and four record, you know, yeah. and it was very it, it was very near the end of the I think it was very like mid end end of January when they fired him and brought in Sarkeesian. So it you know Texas State they really hold them. They hold their football program to a whole other level. I mean, they're going to belong in the sec with that, with that mindset, you know, True, holding their coaches to that level. So let's talk about some of the players
0: that we will be missing this season from the big 12, Uh, a couple of big name draft picks. Brees hall, of course, best running back in the conference by far over the past four years uh, combined. I mean, Let's be real, P. John Robinson was pretty close last year, if not better. Uh, But also, he wasn't draft eligible, and he's still there. So we'll talk about him later. Um, Baylor is losing a bunch of pieces, especially on that defense. Jalen Petrie, J.T. Woods, uh, Bernard, the linebacker, going in the third round. That defense is going to look very different. At the same time, it's probably going to still be a very good defense. And looking forward to see what Baylor can still put together. On the field, I mean, Caleb Barnes, another name I liked a lot, a late round corner. And then we look at uh, Oklahoma, of course, losing big-name pieces. We talked about Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, Oklahoma State linebacker, going to the Lions just a little bit ago. I liked him quite a bit. And at the same time, it feels weird to say a lot of the pieces uh, that got moved around the board here, a lot of the draft picks were on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of these offenses are going to be one year older, one year wiser. This might be a very strong offensive year for the big 12. Maybe I'm too quick to say that at the same time. Um, that's kind of what the big 12 is known for. So if it's not, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Getting your offense together. Um, Cause yeah, it, it was surprising to me how many, how many draft picks out of the big twelve were on the defensive
3: side of the ball? It was like seventy percent of them this year, so yeah, you I'm, had some pretty solid defenses last year at Oklahoma State and at Baylor and uh, yeah right uh which which is 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 not been the big twelves reputation probably last decade you know it's it's been you know offense and you know sixty seventy you know point games going back and forth, you know.
0: I missed it, too. Uh, Trey Sterling, Colby Harville Peel, undrafted safeties out of Oklahoma State. They're going to be gone, too. Basically, that entire secondary group is going to be gone now with the guys getting drafted, guys going undrafted, and then, of course, the transfers to Ohio State when Jim Knowles left for the Buckeyes. So o- Oklahoma State, especially, is going to look very different on that side of the ball. And then specialists, too. A little bit of love for these guys. Uh, Gabe Burkich great kicker for Oklahoma is gone and Cameron Dicker who's only famous because of his great name he's really a fine kicker but he's you know Cameron Dicker is uh, no longer with the Longhorns
3: yeah yeah very, very good name for a kicker you know
0: that's all we're going to say about that one uh- <laughs> god damn it I have to Dicker I hardly know her Anyway. God damn it, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so, 2020 recruiting classes. Let's talk about some of the guys that we're going to see on the field for the first time here for these teams. Um, and actually, our tradition years, we only talk about the guys by name if they're five stars. Because there are like 204 stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most people don't know who they are in the first place. So there are only two five-star players coming into the Big 12 Conference this year, both going to Texas. At the same time, honestly, Oklahoma had the better recruiting class. So interesting dynamic there. But Devon Campbell and Kelvin Banks, both offensive linemen from the state of Texas, are going to the University of Texas and hopefully, finally, get some good results on that offensive line. Other than that, though, Oklahoma had a very solid class and actually a better average overall rating per recruit if you're one of those stargazers I uh, like to talk about that sort of thing. So, I don't know. Texas, Oklahoma, they're kind of in a class of their own when it comes to recruiting. It's been that way for a long time. Yeah. doesn't mean they win every conference championship, though. Uh, and Baylor, most recent conference champion, is like middle of the pack when it comes to Big 12 recruiting. So it definitely comes down to coaching and development as well. Um, You were talking about Texas Tech trying to do a little bit better. They did beat out TCU in the state of Texas this year. That's a good sign. Uh, Well, when McGuire
3: got the job, they were number 10 and he got them to seven right now. Last I looked for this next year's class, they were third or fourth right now in the big 12. Yeah, it's definitely a
0: lot better in 2023.
3: Yeah. But
0: 2022, the freshmen will see this year. They, they did finish uh, number seven. seven, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State and Kansas, of course, at the bottom. Because who wants to go play in the state of Kansas? If you <laughs> can help
1: it. How do you, <laughs> I was going to say, how do you only pull in 11 recruits? Like That is Kansas Jayhawks that. football.
3: That, that makes it seem to me like they're going to be relying on the junior college uh, route. <clears throat> or the yeah, the transfers. Airport, you know, I mean, that was what Matt Wells at Tech was doing. They were uh, Tech was only pulling in 11 recruits when he was there, and, and they were very heavily reliant on the transfer portal big time um, instead true. of recruiting. So, and Kansas State's been known to, I mean, that's kind of their M.O. When Bell Snyder was there, they were they, they typically went the junior college route more than
0: anything else. Oh, well, speaking of relying on the transfer portal, we have a bunch of big-name transfers coming in and coming out of the conference. Uh, tried to limit this to, like, five or so uh, each direction because, obviously, we sat down and talked about every single one of them. We'd be here all night. Uh, but some of my favorite transfers that I'm definitely looking forward to see play, uh, Jackson player coming from Tulsa up to Baylor, that him alone is going to make Baylor's defensive line good again. Jackson player is a fantastic player. No pun intended, but also his name is player. So what can Ah. you do? Uh, (laughs) Sounds like a good
3: marketing ploy there.
0: (laughs) And then uh, we have to look at the quarterbacks because the shape of this conference is really going to be it's, it's totally different now. Quinn Ewers at Texas, uh, which felt like it was always going to happen at some point. Uh, JT Daniels coming into West Virginia, trying to get something started there. And Dylan Gabriel coming into Oklahoma. The big-name programs all have new quarterbacks, and they're all at least pretty decent. Uh, we'll see what they can put together this season. Relying on the portal, though, for your quarterback, that's it feels rough.
3: I mean, it's worked for, it worked for Oklahoma. You know, they got True. Kyler Murray, they got Baker Mayfield, they got, um, um oh gosh. Jalen Hurts. Thank you, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's worked yep. for Oklahoma doing that. Um, I don't know why, but, you know,
0: <laughs> Dylan Gabriel is good enough too. If he's in the Heisman conversation, I yeah. wouldn't be too surprised. Um, and then uh, Alan Ali coming from SMU to TCU, following as head coach. I had to shout out the interior offensive lineman, man. He is actually probably one of the best offensive linemen in the group of five last year, and now headed to TCU as well. Um, Coming out of the conference, though, I think the best place to start is Oklahoma doesn't have the same offense they did last year. Uh, they all went their separate ways. <laughs> well, um, we the
3: offensive play caller and Lincoln Riley, yeah. right, right,
0: yeah. USC got the kids in the divorce.
3: And, <laughs> they all moved to California. <laughs> yep,
0: uh, except for Spencer Rattler, who moved to South Carolina. He went to the other so,
3: USC. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's still true. USC. Got I kids had the never divorce. even thought of that. <laughs> But uh, Oklahoma State, we already talked about losing cornerbacks left and right. uh, Literally, I guess, north and south, if you want to be more precise. Ohio State, and LSU, getting different guys from Oklahoma State here in the defensive back group. And then uh, West Virginia, yeah, you were saying they lost a whole bunch of people. uh, Going all over the country, too. Like, this wasn't a, a mass exodus to a particular program. A couple of guys going to Miami. Uh, Mississippi State, Florida State on the list, a couple of guys moving down a level like UTSA. Uh, and that's it, not necessarily saying UTSA isn't a good program, but if you're leaving power five competition for the sake of getting out of West Virginia, that's not a good sign for West Virginia.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, it, Neil Brown had a really bad off season to say the least.
0: I got to say too, uh, O'Shawn Mathis leaving TCU is a huge loss. And I don't know, man. I don't think TCU is going to be that good this year. I know we've I've said it a couple times already. It just hurts to say cuz I I love Gary Patterson. But Yeah,
3: it's... I'm I'm with you on the TCU thing, <laughs> and I, just, I don't um yeah, I, I think they're going to be in a rebuild mode this year. You know,
0: probably for a couple years, yeah. honestly. Very very tough times coming up for them. Uh, but some players to watch across the conference this season. Again, try to limit to to just a couple of big name guys. Uh set up top, B. John Robinson is probably the best offensive player in this conference. As a running back, has a legitimate chance to contend for the Heisman Trophy at least, which is now like- a quarterback only award in recent years. So that's a big deal. Uh he's yeah, he's great. Everybody knows he's great. He's great.
2: Um. <laughs> uh Spencer
0: Sanders though is probably my favorite unsung hero quarterback in this conference. Oklahoma State did a lot better than I expected last season and a lot of that came down to Spencer Sanders' decision making, not necessarily his pure arm talent, but he has a little bit of that too and he's really fun to watch and Oklahoma State's definitely the better
3: for it. Yeah, and he is he's been at Oklahoma State I, I think this is his third year. Fourth year, I'm not sure. He's been there for a while, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And same with uh, Baylor's quarterback, who I can't remember his name at the moment. Uh, Coming up on a second year starting for them. I can't remember his name. This is terrible. I don't have it written down in front of me. Um, He just won the conference championship. He was really good. Played for Baylor. That's... That's a thing that happened. Yeah, I
3: can't remember his name either. <laughs> They've had so many. It run, you know, it
0: run yeah, it's it's been a revolving door, but they finally found somebody. Did, yeah. and...
1: did the PD did the of college football just fail me? You are correct. Oh.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's um, all, good. It's all another, good. Another running back I'm looking forward to watching this year has to be Deuce Swan at Kansas State. Probably oh, the best thing about good. the Kansas State team. Um, And then Actually, Oklahoma still has a pretty dang good receiver for Dylan Gabriel to be throwing the ball to Marvin Mims is very good on the outside there and should make that Oklahoma offense run probably by himself right now. Um
1: Hey Hey Doug, our yep. our friend our dear friend from Australia may have come to your uh your saving grace here. Were you talking about Bohannon?
0: Yes. I was definitely not
1: talking about that. Actually. Oh, well,
0: I tried. Um, Sorry, guys. That's, no, you're good, that's man. All right. That's all right. I am. I'm going to kill myself if I don't figure out who his better quarterback was. That's that's terrible to say. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Like shaping. Shaping. Yeah, that's right. All right. We're good. I'm, I'm still alive. That's, All what, right. I mean, that's what that means. <laughs> uh, let's jump to the defensive side of the ball is what we should be doing here. <laughs> um, For as much as TCU is losing, I still think they have one of the best cornerbacks in college football. And Travious hodges Tomlinson. I like him a lot, and I think he should be in the conversation for a day two pick in this common
1: draft. Um, I think he's very good. I, I really, underrated. I really don't want to talk about this Texas linebacker you have highlighted because with a name like Overshone, something tells me he might be a little overrated.
0: That's a terrible <laughs> assumption. Well, he wouldn't overrated. be
3: the first Texas player overrated, so <laughs>
0: also valid. <laughs> uh, I like Will McDonald from Iowa State. I like uh, Dante Stills. Is probably the only good player left on that West Virginia team, defensive tackle. Um, And then I had to give some love to the Kansas schools. They actually have a really good safety in Kenny Logan. He's actually pretty decent in a school that has been pumping out some NFL caliber defensive backs over the years. So don't be too surprised if Kansas gets one of their their guys selected here in the next draft. Um, I left off Texas Tech intentionally. Because I want to turn it over to you, do you have any guys in particular you have in mind, either side of the ball, both sides of the ball? Go nuts! What are you What are you looking forward to this coming season for Texas? So,
3: a um, couple things: um, wide receiver Miles Price. I, I'm just I'm see how how he comes in and and really kind of takes over kind of that that role that uh, Eric as a comma had. Uh, quarterback's going to be interesting. You know, they bring back all three of the quarterbacks from last year: Tyler Shuck. Donovan Smith, Baron Morton. I think the job's going to go to Tyler Shuck. Um, you know, he's, he's the veteran. They got him from Oregon a couple of years ago, but Donovan Smith looked impressive in, in the Liberty ball and uh, down the stretch, you know, defensively, you've got uh, several of the, these guys are coming back kind of for their kind of super senior COVID senior year, Sean Merriweather, Muddy Waters, um, you know, The knock, one of the big knocks against Tech has been defense has not always been there. Um, So I'm kind of interested to see how the defense is going to look. And then also offensive line, um, you know, just as a whole unit, you know, they're they're bringing in uh, Stephen Hamby from Western Kentucky. And and Hamby is a former Tech offensive lineman. He was there during the Leach years. And, you know, if, if they're able to have a more effective offensive line, I think they're going to be. And in pretty good shape, um, a lot better shape than they were last year. I think that was their big Achilles' heel on on offense, and then you know, obviously defense just makes some stops. You know, um, you get tired as a Tech fan. Uh, I remember I had season tickets when Mahomes was there, and you know, you, you knew the game. We were going to lose the game when Mahomes didn't score because the defense wasn't stopping anybody. I was there for the Oklahoma game when it was. Mahomes versus uh, Baker Mayfield. And I don't think anybody punted that entire night. It was, nobody was playing defense. It was rough. And so, that, um, you know, so I, I some of those veterans coming back, I'm interested to see if they're able to, you know, have a have another solid year and, and hopefully get Tech to, I, I think you've got uh, six wins, maybe seven wins if things break for you talent. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens, you know.
0: So you said the offensive line, and I didn't bring this up before, but I absolutely love the transfer from Western Kentucky, yeah. Cole Spencer. Uh, that Western Kentucky offense last year was on another level for no reason at all. All the offensive line has transferred to different programs, so Cole Spencer coming to the Texas Tech feels like a huge addition. Yeah, Zach
3: Hitley, who was the OC's coming coming to Tech, he was uh, the right, right. Tech. Tech grad, Tech He was graduate assistant, now he's coming back to Tech as the OC. So it'll be interesting to see what his offense is going to look like. Is he going to run like a pure air raid or, you know, a little bit more of a uh, kind of even? Because you've got some really solid running backs at at Tech as well. You know, Sir Robert Thompson, Taj Brooks. Um, So it'll just be interesting to watch.
0: Is there anybody else or anything that we didn't talk about that you think we should have?
3: Um, No, I can't really think of anything. So, I mean, okay. It's going to be an interesting year. I think it's a very wide-open conference um, this year. I
0: definitely agree. Yep. Uh, and that kind of leads us greatly into our next section here, uh, which is how do we think this conference is going to turn out? Uh, so there are no divisions, of course. So let's decide who we think is going to be the number one seed, number two seed, and then who we think is going to actually win the conference championship. I think we'll let that tug go first here. And then uh,
1: go from there. So so first off, I think you guys are right. This is a wide open year for the Big 12. It's really hard to kind of see which way it can go. Uh, there's probably four teams I could see being in this conversation. Uh, so the two I'm looking at uh, at the top, I know they lost a lot on the defense, but Mike Gundy is a fantastic coach. I think he can rein them in, rein them back in, string another year together. I've got Oklahoma State finishing the regular season at number one. Uh and then I, I think Sarkeesian's gonna put it together. He's got a he's got a roster, he's starting to get some of his recruits in there. Um, he's still recruiting fairly well. I'm I'm gonna put Texas at number two. Uh when all is said and done, and yeah, I know it's it's a gamble, man. I, I hate putting faith in Texas because they like never would be a That's terrible. Hey, this
3: may be the year Texas is back. They always say that. So uh, it's it, a typical well, typical
1: it, Texas thing to say, just like the Cowboys are back, it's their year. If they say it every
0: year, it will be true eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but out of those two teams, uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma State in the uh, Big, T- uh, Big 12 championship.
0: This is one of the things we didn't talk about with Big 12 media days, but if you would have heard how much Gondi was just loving Jim Knowles and how great his defense was last year, and to lose that piece, it's like I'm going to change everything about how he has to coach this season. That defense is not going to be the same. I don't care if they kept everybody. That is, that's a uh, that's a wild pick to me. Uh, but I have equally wild picks, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, Jim Knowles, <laughs> take...
3: huge loss for Oklahoma State. He's... Right, yeah. DC. Oh, Ohio State got themselves a good one, I think.
0: Oh. I certainly hope so. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um... oh, god.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but I'm going to take Oklahoma to actually be the one seed here. I think you're right with how they do transfer quarterbacks. Dylan Gabriel is going to be amazing and Brent Venables is going to have that defense working pretty smoothly. Uh, And then number two seed, I'm going to say Baylor. Um, It's probably going to come down to the Oklahoma versus Baylor in the regular season. And let's say Oklahoma wins that, uh, I would say Baylor comes around and beats them in the championship game. So Kind of could go either way with that, I guess. I'm just kind of picking whoever wins in the regular season between Oklahoma Baylor is going to lose that
3: same matchup in the conference
0: championship game. That's my prediction. What do you think?
3: So, very similar to you uh, on that uh, with whoever wins regular season, I think loses in the championship game, except um, I have Oklahoma finishing uh, number one. And I have Oklahoma State finishing number two. Uh, I, I think uh, we're going to have a rematch, a Bedlam rematch in Arlington. And I think Oklahoma State will win win in Arlington. I think they lose wow. in regular season. And they're going to lose in Norman, but then come back, win in Arlington. And uh, I, they've got unfinished business. They, sh- they, they should have won last year the Big 12 right. championship. And I, I think Dundee's going to light a fire under them. And I think they're going to get it done. Um, but I think I do think they lose the regular season bedlam game, but then get their revenge a couple weeks later uh, against Oklahoma in Arlington. So
0: I would that be, would love that. Yeah, but wow, that would be crazy. <laughs> be a wild conference championship game. <clears throat> yeah, it would be. Imagine double bedlam! Wow, goodness. Um, we had, we had I, at the same uh, time.
3: We had the double Red River shootout a couple years ago, Oklahoma Texas. That's true. Um, That's they, true. They played earlier in the season and played in the Big Twelve well, Championship. So,
0: I mean, as you said though, before we even started going down this
3: path, uh,
0: it's such a wide open conference. Almost anything is possible. Feels like, other than Kansas being in this title game, so uh, everything else <laughs> is on the table. <laughs> yeah,
1: you never know.
3: Yeah, I think there's just such a murky middle in the Big Twelve this year. You know, I think. Clearly, yeah. you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and, you know, Texas is one of those, you know, we've talked about it already. It's on paper, they look to make the leap, but this is also Texas that lost Kansas last year, just had a horrible map Didn't get to a year. bowl game last year. Yeah, yeah they went 7 you know, bowl, seven, so. and, you know um, but, I, you know, I think Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, I mean, I think they're all kind of very murky middle, I think could see those teams, I, I think, finish in all sorts of random orders, depending on yeah. what happens on the field.
0: So, hot take then, possibly. Uh, do we think the Big 12 may be the most competitive conference this year? Not necessarily the best conference overall, but the most competitive conference in college football.
3: Yeah, I, I, think, I think definitely I would agree with that. I think you look at the other, other conferences and you know i mean the sec we we know it's probably to come down to alabama georgia the big 10 you know it's going to be ohio state you know probably michigan um you know acc it's probably going to be clemson and and probably mm-hmm. nc state there but yeah i would agree i think i think this is a pretty competitive conference um you know overall
0: and it's 2 to 1 oklahoma state against baylor as our champions so <laughs> We'll be keeping score yeah. here. See what happens. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for this. It's uh it's been a very thorough review of the big twelve and couldn't have been as in depth without you. So
3: certainly awesome. appreciate your help. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: And I do want to ask before you head out of here though, our next segment is uh bracket time, which you may want to stick around for if you're interested. Are All you right. aware of our bracket time here on the
2: show?
3: Yeah, I I I saw the Saw some of the same you were reviewing, including uh the Jones last week on your last week's show. So, yes. which by the way they just announced a couple of weeks ago, two hundred million dollar uh, South End Zone addition um, coming. Um, they're gonna start tearing things down at the end of this year, and and by I think it's like twenty twenty four, they'll have the whole South End Zone rebuilt, brand new football facility, and everything. Two hundred million dollars. So, you know.
0: We actually did bring that up briefly on last week's show, but we'll we'll hammer that home next round for sure wow. because uh, it's actually that double T scoreboard in itself is going to carry that stadium along for a little while.
3: Yes, yes, and that was <laughs> a big deal for the fans to to keep that there. It's going to be a new double T scoreboard. They're they're getting rid of the older one, but yeah, I mean to keep that double T scoreboard um, in the stadium is going to be enhance the look big time so
0: but if you're ready let's go ahead and jump into this week's bracket time and we have four matchups here today uh of course these are seeded by capacity which means we have some unfair matchups uh like this one but (laughs) (laughs) oh but we we are starting out with uh The Ohio State University up against the University of Central Florida, Ohio Stadium versus FBC Mortgage Stadium. Of course, our social media polls did go with The Shoe. Um, I don't want to go too much into traditions of these stadiums because I think we're going to see most of these traditions in later rounds. But if you guys have any comments on this one, as an Ohio State fan, this is very cut and dry. Uh, But... What do you guys think? Which is your favorite stadium? Which stadium deserves to move on here? Chris, I'll let you go first on this
1: one. Yeah, this is
3: like a one and one sixteen matchup in the Incident Tournament. Uh, you know I mean it's it's gotta be Ohio State, you know. Uh central UCF's coming into the Big Twelve, so uh, it'll be interesting to, you know, see them once they get in the Big Twelve. But I mean you, you can't you can't beat the horseshoe if if you're if your program, you know, where you're at with UCF right now, we're you're you're just now getting into a you know power conference, but yeah, the horseshoe, the 116 matchup, you
1: know. Yeah. So. No, I I agree, and Doug, I have a lot of things that I'm sure you could dwarf with what you have to say, but I don't want to get into it because I don't want to waste all of our good points on the shoe before we actually get into the difficult matchups here. Uh, I will say I like the design of the shoe better. I like that they've, I guess, semi enclosed it from what it used to be and, and got the seats all the way around. Uh, but also, it's just a better-looking stadium on the outside. I, I don't like, and I think we brought this up last time, I just don't like how flat UCF Stadium stadium looks right now. So, yeah, we'll keep it to that. I'm going to push the shoe on, and uh, we'll get into more of it later. I will hold
0: all of my comments on the shoe for later rounds when Bug inevitably fights me very hard on it for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> uh, but next up, we have University of Kentucky versus University of California here. Another Memorial Stadium, California Memorial Stadium this time, up against Kroger Field, a very controversial name when it happened. used to be Commonwealth Stadium, and Kroger bought the naming rights in 2018, I believe, and everybody was very mad about it. Uh, But now it's just Kroger Field, and that's what social media ended up voting for. So I'll turn it over to Chris once again. Which stadium do you prefer here?
3: I'd probably lean towards Kroger Field. Um, I think they've done all sorts of upgrades fairly recently. Um, that Kroger does, money. <laughs> yeah. Does, yeah. Does, Cal, does Cal still care about football at this point? I'm not sure. But, um, no,
1: they're but, asking UCLA for money.
3: Yeah, there you go. I mean, maybe when UCLA gives them money, they can you know do some upgrades. But yeah, I would I would lean Kroger Field.
1: <laughs> I I don't really have a lot of points here. I almost like the look of of Cal a little bit better, but that might just be the angle of the shot. They look very similar in design. I have nothing against Kentucky here. I've got nothing against Cal. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt to social media here and I'll push on Kentucky.
0: So very straightforward first two matchups. Uh, next one was actually a an undisputed champion on our social media poll, undefeated every single vote we had. Went for Clemson Memorial Stadium, up against Keenan Memorial Stadium. Two of the like thirty something Memorial stadiums up against each other in this round. Yeah, uh, I'm going to st- start North Carolina knocking here, and Clemson, of course, took the social media poll. What are, you, what are we going to say?
1: Tug? So- I'm going to start knocking teams with Memorial Stadium in their name. It's just, I'd almost prefer you to get the get the uh, naming rights money.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but which stadium do you guys prefer?
3: I, I mean, this is not—I mean, this isn't as as lopsided, I think, as the Ohio State, UCF. But I mean, you can't—you can't argue against Death Valley. I mean, with Clemson, you know, North Carolina, I mean, it's nice stadium, but I mean, it's—it's it's Death Valley. <laughs> you know, I, I would go Clemson.
0: I mean. Yeah, Tug doesn't even have
1: a point here. Yeah, I was (laughs) going to say, I (laughs) I don't like that one high side, but it is Death Valley, so yeah.
0: (laughs) I would say if this were Keenan Memorial up against Kroger Field, this would be a completely fair fight, and we'd have to have a real conversation. But come on. It's, yeah, it's Death Valley for sure. And uh, last matchup of the day, we do have South Carolina up against Oregon. This is Williams Bryce Stadium up against Outson Stadium, uh, which actually is a battle of two very different designs here. Uh, now social media did go with the University of Oregon, but it's kind of traditional against modern and uh, I have to I'll be very interested to hear what you guys think.
3: yeah this is this is a good matchup I think. this is probably the two closest ones. I would probably lean Oregon. I like the little overhang thing they have there. Um, you know, I'd probably lean Oregon.
1: And I'm looking at this, and I, I'm leaning South Carolina here. I I like the design of that stadium just a little bit better. I, I personally, I really do like symmetrical stadiums for absolutely no reason. Um, so that overhang, yeah, it looks good, but it, it raises one side high. For me, I don't I don't really like that. I'm gonna lead South Carolina on this one. You are a stickler for your symmetry. Uh-huh. Uh, I gotta
0: say I prefer the look of Williams Bryce as well, but at the same time, I respect the hell out of Austin Stadium. That is it's beautiful. Uh, as far as architectural design, as far as the way they kind of put it into a hill. I mean, it's like everything about it is really awesome at the same time. I love the traditional stadium, uh, but we're we're definitely going to stick with social media on this one because yeah. it sounds like we're tied up a little bit. And respect to our fans when they when they give it. Uh, Austin Stadium is moving on here, and man, South Carolina gone so quickly. Um, all right, is what it is. Uh, we got rid of two of the three teams in Carolinas uh, in this bracket. Uh, and Now, I know there are plenty more FBS teams in the Carolinas. But, uh, yeah, all the other ones have been eliminated already, and everybody else is in the group of five. So, uh, yeah, the next matchups we'll be seeing will not be in the Carolinas. Uh, <laughs> we have next week, on our next week's polls, we will have LSU up against Baylor. Uh, very different designs here. Uh, at the same time, feels very both of them feel very classic college football. Yep. So, tough matchup for sure. The next matchup next week will be the exact opposite of what I said last time. <laughs> All right, NFL versus, uh, so... <laughs> An NFL stadium versus Memorial Stadium. So An NFL
1: stadium versus stadium, kind of?
0: University of Miami versus University of Illinois. Uh, we definitely need your help on social media polls on this one because I have no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, and then uh, we have the University of Florida up against University of Colorado. Uh, ben Griffin, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium versus Folsom Field. And the last matchup of next week is actually the last matchup of the first round of this bracket. Michigan State University Spartan Stadium up against Arizona State University Sun Devil Stadium. This is, uh, once again, Kind of a matchup of very traditional-looking, very solid stadiums. Definitely need your help on our social media polls. And thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. Hopefully oh, you had thanks, a little bit of fun looking at these stadiums with us.
3: Oh, I did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know
0: you got some easy matchups, but uh, it's still the first round. Yeah. <laughs> It'll get very interesting very quickly as we roll this down.
3: We got 116, 215s, you know. Right. <laughs>
0: But thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, Now is your chance to shout out if you want people to be able to find you somewhere. Oh yeah, definitely find your show.
3: Yeah. I, I host the Chris Carpenter show. It's available Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon music. Uh, We talk a lot of sports. Um, It is Texas tech centered, but we talk big 12. We've been talking a lot about big 12 lately with the conference realignment stuff. Uh, And we also get into some pop culture stuff. You know, a few weeks ago I did a show, uh, had a couple of my friends who got together. We debated best 80s and 90s sitcoms, and it was fun. So, yeah, uh, the Chris Carpenter Show is where you find it. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter, at the C-Carp Show. And uh, I also always post a link to my, my podcast there as well. So, thanks, guys, for having me on. Enjoyed this, and definitely looking forward to football season. So
0: oh, Absolutely. I can't wait, all. man. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. We are so close to the first week of college football. It's like a month away, yeah. and I've been waiting for so long. Just let's let's go. The USFL is not enough for me. We need actual college football.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, thank you so much. And
0: I think that's about what we're going to do for our show here as well. Doug, no. uh, do you
1: have anything else you wanted to say before we get out of here? Man, <clears throat> I want to want to sit there and say I, I'm happy to be back. It's fun to get back into the swing of things. Uh, Man, I, I, I miss this, and I, I look forward to next week to keep it going, man. It's going to be a fun time. I'm ready for it. So if you do want to find us anywhere, uh,
0: our links have been scrolling across the bottom of the screen this entire time. If you're only listening to us, though, not watching us, I'll go ahead and read a couple to you uh Twitter, we are at BDT football. Facebook, we are BDT football. Uh Instagram, you can find us BDT underscore football. Of course we have our website, BDT football dot com. Basically, if you think about BDT football, you can find us all sorts of places. Including patreon.com slash BDT football, where we would very much appreciate your support and it would help us make things look and feel a lot better. So Thanks. uh <laughs> if you want to improve the show, that's your way to do it. Uh, but also, if you have anything you would like to discuss with us, literally, I avoid doing real work so I can think about college football. So Can confirm. <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hit us up. You can email us, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. All sorts of places you can find us. And those links will be in the description of the podcast as well. But I think that is all I have to say. I think that's all Tug had to say. And Bug's not with us. It, unreal. He was going to be late, and then he was going to be later than late. And now he couldn't make the entire show. Miss him dearly. Hope he's doing okay.
1: <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, before before Doug gets too sad here.
3: <laughs> that
1: is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening, and just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.